Father, we thank you for such a wonderful, rich presence of your spirit in our midst. As we've worshiped you today, we thank you for the ability you've given us to come into your presence and to sit at the feet of Jesus and receive a fresh right now word for each and every one here today. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Thank you for giving us eyes to see and ears to hear what you are trying to get to us today. We'll be quick to respond to you and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I want you to turn in your Bibles or your device to Ezekiel chapter 47. And I'm going to share with you uh, the vision that Ezekiel had concerning the coming millennial temple. God's got a plan for the future, for this planet, for this earth. And uh, in this uh, particular vision, though, I want you to capture the picture, the image that's portrayed in this vision, uh, because it has a lot to do with how the Holy Spirit wants to use you to reach someone who's in need of the gospel. Our key takeaway this morning is very simple. The Holy Spirit wants to use you to spread good news. The Holy Spirit wants to use you to spread good news. I don't know about you, but I'm the bearer of good news. I am a blessing on the way to happen to someone else. And you are too. God has blessed you. God has anointed you. God has made you a blessing to happen to someone else. And so God wants to use each and every one of us. And, and I want that to be on the forefront of our mind as we're approaching Easter. You know, Easter is a time where people are open you know, to go to church or to visit a church. And, and so that's a great opportunity for us as believers. I mean, this is something we should, we should be all the time, but especially during this uh, spring season, you know, things are warming up, right? Warm weather's coming, Easter's coming, right? And so it's a great opportunity for us to reach out and share some good news. How many like it when someone tells you good news? Amen. And so let's take a look at the vision here in Ezekiel chapter 47, verses 1 through 5. Ezekiel says here, In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around the eastern entrance. There I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. Verse 3, measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet. That's about a third of a mile. And then led me across. The water was up to my ankles. He measured off another 1,750 feet. Now that's two-thirds of a mile he's gone, and led me across again. This time the water was up to my knees. After another 1,750 feet, now he's walked a mile now, it was up to my waist. Then he measured another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep to walk across. Look at verse 8. 
Then he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into a valley and it enters the sea. When it flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And every living creature that swarms wherever the rivers go will live. And there shall be a great multitude. Say great multitude. There shall be a great multitude of fish. Because these waters shall come there. And the others, speaking of the Dead Sea waters, shall become fresh. And thus, everything shall live wherever, listen, wherever the river comes. What do you see in this vision? As I was meditating upon this vision, I got a clear picture of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I got a clear picture of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in my life. What do you see in this vision? This is the picture that I see. I see... You, the Holy Spirit, your world, the world that you live in, and the harvest. And there's one more thing I see here. I see a flow of the river of God. Now, let's take a look at that. I want you to capture this image and recognize what the Holy Spirit wants to do through you. Well, what does the temple represent? Well, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. John said, you are of God, little children, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Are you cognizant of the presence and the power of God that's resident in you by virtue of the person of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit lives in us. We are the temple of God. We are the house of God. Can you say amen? amen? The waters flowing out of the temple represent the Holy Spirit. Do you remember when Jesus, at the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, he lifted up his voice. And while he's lifting up his voice in the temple, you could hear the backdrop of a waterfall. And he's lifting up his voice. And he said this, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being shall flow what? Rivers of living water. That's speaking of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and wants to flow out of your life. Are you with me? Now, this is interesting. When those waters flowed out from under the door of the temple, it went down into the valley. Now, it's talking about the topography of Israel. It's going down into the valley, and it's going into a place called the sea. One translation calls it the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea, as you know, historically for the past 2,000 years, is literally a Dead Sea. There's no life in the Dead Sea. My understanding is that the Dead Sea is about 10 times saltier than ocean water. Nothing can be sustained in that habitat. And it's a picture of the world that we live in. We live in a world where we're surrounded with people who are walking dead men and walking dead women, not having the life of God in them. And they're involved in all kinds of pursuits. 
There's the pursuit of pleasure. There's the pursuit of power. There's the pursuit of position. There's all kinds of pursuits. And, you know, some of the pursuits are good. Some of the pursuits are not so good. Some of the pursuits are evil. We look in our world, it's completely dead. It's filled with addictions, with problems, with dysfunction. Hello, somebody. This is the world where I live. This is the world where you live. There are people all around us and they don't even know the need that they have, the spiritual need that they have to acknowledge their sinfulness and come to a Savior and receive this living water that's able to give them a peace that passes all understanding. Come on, somebody. To give them a joy that's indescribable. A joy that can't come from happiness or circumstances or when everything is picture perfect, hunky-dory, it's just right, life is good. It doesn't compare to knowing the presence and the power of God that comes when the Holy Spirit comes into our life. Oh, thank you, Jesus. There's a river that flows and it flows out of you and me and it wants to go into the world that you live in. You are carriers of the presence and the power of God. You hold the keys to death, hell, and the grave just like Jesus did. You have a key to open someone's prison door. Wow, that's powerful. Now notice what happened when that river flowed into the Dead Sea. All of a sudden, something happened. There was a multitude of fish. What? Fish in the Dead Sea? Yes. Life comes as a result of the Holy Spirit flowing out of your life. And if you know anything about the multitude of fish, you know, you can read in the Gospels and Jesus told his uh, 12 disciples how to fish, right? They were fishermen, you know, throw your nets on the other side. There's some great stories about fish and it all points to harvest. God wants you to be personally engaged in the harvest. It's not enough. It's good, yeah, that we sow, we, we send, and, and so on and so forth. But God wants to give you the personal joy and satisfaction of being used by Him to lead someone into a personal relationship with Jesus. There is no greater joy than when you have that opportunity to lead someone to accept the Lord in their life. Or to lay hands on someone to receive healing and restoration in their body. God wants to use each and every one of us. And so I don't want you to kind of sit back and say, well, you know, I'm part of a great church and we're doing great things. But yes, that's good. Corporately, we're doing some wonderful things. But God wants to give you the opportunity and the joy to have that own experience in your own life. That I'm God's man. I'm God's woman. I'm anointed by the Holy Spirit. I have the answers for the people I see and associate with day in and day out. Oh, my goodness. A multitude of fish. The father is a husbandman. And the Bible says that he is patiently waiting for the harvest of the earth. He's waiting on that harvest and he's waiting on us to engage the harvest. Can you say amen? Now, what's interesting about this story, and you have to pay attention to what's happening in this vision, there's a flow. Everybody say flow. flow. Come on, say flow. flow. Notice the flow taking place here. It's the script of our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, you can get 
ankle deep. And, you know, when you're stepping into some, you know, I like to think of the Holy Spirit as either cold waters or hot waters. And you step into those cold waters and, whew, that's kind of cold. You kind of get used to warmed up to the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit's different. He's supernatural. He's a gentleman, but he's not like what we've experienced in the world. Amen. So we get acclimated to the, to the relationship we have with the Holy Spirit. We step in ankle deep. We step in knee deep. Hello. I remember being up in uh, one of our favorite spots uh, for summer vacation was going up to the Kangamangas and getting into the river. And that river is cold. It's mountain water. It's refreshing. And so you get in ankle deep, you get in knee deep, and then you get in waist deep and you start sensing something. There's some movement in this water. And then he, he goes a little further and he gets to a place where he can't keep his feet on the ground. And that's where you discover flow. Everybody say flow. That's when you're no longer being sustained by your own weight and ability, but now you are being carried by a current. And that current is the river that Jesus prophesied in our lives. It's the Holy Spirit in us desiring to work through us. It's not enough just to receive him and have him do a work in us. That's good and that's necessary, but there's another step. After he does a good work in you, he wants to do a work through you. He wants to replicate what God did in your life in the life of someone else. Can I get an amen? amen. Wow, the Holy Spirit has a current. Now, that current, I believe that current, that flow is a river of compassion to be led by and controlled by the Holy Spirit and to allow him to, uh, to for you to get into that flow is really to get into a flow of compassion. Because notice where that river went. It took, went down the valley. It went into the Dead Sea. And as a result of that, there was a multitude of fish. Yeah. You know, when we go deeper with the Holy Spirit, when we become more intimate with the Holy Spirit, we don't get more weird. We get more relevant. We discover the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that compassion moves us. It compels us. It constrains us. It pushes us forward to be aware of what's going on around us. To be sensitive of the needs that we come across. To not just so be, be distracted about my stuff, my issues, my life but to become sensitive and aware of the world around us. That the world around us is broken. It's dysfunctional. It's in need of God's touch. It's in need of a divine encounter. Amen. Amen. And so let's take a look at three men in the book of Acts. We have Philip, and we have Ananias, and we have Peter. And as we look at the story in each of their lives, I want you to pay close attention to the flow that was in their life. Because this gives us a clear example as to how the Holy Spirit will use you. Amen. Are you ready? Amen. Let's take a look at the story of Philip in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. It says here, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise up and go toward the south and on the way that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he rose up and went. 
And there was a man of Ethiopia. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning, sitting in his chariot, and reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit said, now capture that, the Spirit said, he had ears. The Spirit said to Philip, go to this chariot and stay with it. Then Philip ran to him and heard him reading the book. This is a divine setup right here. I love this. He heard him reading the book of Isaiah the prophet, and he came up to the chariot, and he said, do you understand what you're reading there? Philip is being led by the Holy Spirit. He's in a flow, and he's hearing the Spirit of God leading him, guiding him, directing him, giving him a next step. And as he does, he comes across a man who's a seeker. He's searching for God. Listen, he, this man was an Ethiopian. He went to Jerusalem because, you know, well, the Jews, you know, they worship God. Maybe, maybe they have the answer. And so on his way back home, God saw that. You know, the Holy Spirit knows who's open to the gospel. The Holy Spirit knows who is in that place where they're becoming aware of their need. He's moving on them. He's, he's, he's wooing them. He's drawing them. He's making them aware of their need. And so in that process, they're seeking, and the Holy Spirit is looking to tap someone on the shoulder and say, I need your help here. I'm working on this person. And so the Holy Spirit was working in the heart of this Ethiopian unit, and there was a man by the name of Philip. The Holy Spirit tapped his shoulder. Philip, I need you. And so Philip, because the Bible says in Acts 6, 5, that Philip was a man who was full of faith, and full of the Holy Spirit. So Philip was full to overflowing. He was in over his head. He was in the current. And the Holy Spirit was speaking. He was guiding. He was giving him steps. And he brought him right across the path of a seeker. And so they engaged in a conversation He's asking questions, and, and he brings him to the point where he shares the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he gets water baptized. Notice the flow in Philip's life. The Spirit of God is bringing him across the path of a seeker. He engages in conversation, and there is the opportunity. All the bait is there, and all he's got to do is pull the hook out, and he leads him to Christ, gets him water baptized. Can you imagine the impact that must have had? Because this Ethiopian was in a high place of authority. He had influence. And because of his encounter with Philip, a door opened for the gospel to go to places that Philip could never go. And you know what? The same thing is true for us. You have no idea. You know, a lot of times we, we, we uh, you know, think thoughts about people. Oh, they'll never receive from me. Oh, they're not ready for the gospel. Don't think that way. Don't think that way. Jesus said the harvest is white. It's ripe for the picking. You don't know what's going on in people's hearts, but the Holy Spirit knows what's going on in people's hearts. And he's ready to tap you on the shoulder and say, can I use you? We need to say, Holy Spirit, use me. Say that. Holy Spirit, use me. Let's take a look at the story 
of Ananias. In Acts chapter 9, verse 10, Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street. I love this. This is really cool. He names a street. That's like, you know, go down to Rosewood Ave, right? Are you with me? Go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. And listen, this is the Holy Spirit speaking to Ananias. Saul is praying to me right now. These are very specific instructions. We would call it a word of knowledge, a gift of the Spirit in operation. And God, the Holy Spirit, is tapping the shoulder of Ananias. and Ananias, I'm working in a man named Saul right now. He's praying and I'm having conversation with him. I need you to go over there and work with me. Are you with me? Now, Ananias, at first, he objects. He said, well, 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 wait a minute. God, don't you know who Saul is? He's got papers from Jerusalem to throw Christians in jail. Saul had a very terrible reputation. Many would consider him a terrorist, right? Well, the Lord, of course, persuaded Ananias. And verse 17 says, so Ananias went and found Saul, and he laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice again the flow in Ananias' life. The Spirit of God moved him across the path of one who was praying. Now Saul, here at this point in time, was a brand new believer. The Holy Spirit wants to use you and I to encourage new believers in their faith. And you know where a lot of new believers are? They're not in church. They're in the workplace. They're in the school place. They're in the community. They're all around you. You know, it's amazing, you know, when you come across different people and you discover, oh, they they believe in Jesus. But that's all. That's just, they're just ankle deep, right? They're just there. Yet God wants to take them in further and he'll use us to do it. He'll tap you on the shoulder to help maybe a new believer that's not settled, that's not founded on a a good foundation. And through your prayer, through your laying on of hands, through your touch, you can encourage them to take a next step to go deeper with the Lord. Amen. That's the flow, the Holy Spirit, when He's flowing in our lives, He's always going to cause our path to intersect with the path of someone who's seeking God, who's open to God, who's, who's hungry for more, but they're not at that place. They need someone to speak into their life. And listen, we are God's mouthpiece. It's not enough just to love and, and build friendships. That's good, but at some point, we should all be adept and skilled at leading someone to Jesus, to take them in a simple prayer, to pronounce faith in Jesus Christ and watch and see the transformation in their life. There's no greater joy than that. Can you say amen? Amen. One more story. Can we do one more story? The story of Peter. Now, we know Peter was a man full of the Holy Ghost. 
He denied the Lord three times, had a dramatic uh, encounter uh, with Jesus after his resurrection. Jesus restored him. And from one who was cowardly turning from God to now his shadow would bring healing to people. I mean, he was preaching up a storm in, in, in uh, Acts chapter 4. So we know that Peter was full of the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? That being said, one afternoon, Peter was waiting for lunch and God gave him a vision. He saw a sheet coming down by its four corners with all kinds of animals, reptiles, and birds in the sheet. And we pick up there in Acts chapter 10, verse 13, it says, Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice, now whose voice was that? That's the voice of God, the voice of the Holy Spirit. The voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. The Holy Spirit was trying to do something in Peter's life. Now, he was experiencing the flow of the Holy Spirit. In his life, God was already using him up to this point, but God was wanting to do more. He was, God was wanting to break boundaries and divisions and so forth, but he had to deal with the paradigm that was limiting his work in the mind of Peter. Peter had this paradigm, us four, no more. We're the Jewish people. We don't associate with sinners. Gentiles were considered dogs, not dogs as we say it, but dogs speaking of those without rules, without covenant, ungodly, unclean. And God was dealing with him before he could move through him. In this particular instance, God had to break that paradigm, that narrow-mindedness, that prejudice that he had. Amen. Is there prejudice in the church? Yeah, there's prejudice in the church. There's a religious prejudice amongst a lot of believers. And that religious prejudice, prejudice is, well, I don't associate with sinners. But what did Jesus do in the Gospels? He was the friend of sinners and publicans. But we get uncomfortable when we're around those kinds of people. Hello. That don't talk like us, don't live like us. We need to be warm and inviting and, and welcoming to those that are in our world and not be perceived as I'm holier than you. That was the paradigm that Peter was operating up to this point. Now, listen to this. He goes, Lord, OK, I'm going to go to this house. You know, actually, they were reaching out to Peter. They heard about his ministry. And so they were reaching out to him. And so they convened. They had a meeting. And here in Acts chapter 10, verse 28, listen to how Peter talks here. He says, Peter told them, you know, I'll do this. You know, it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. Can you imagine talking to somebody like that? I mean, hello? To me, that speaks, yeah, well, okay, he's taken a step. God's working this paradigm out of him. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. 
Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. God's arms to the world are open wide. Open wide. He is no respecter of persons. Peter was a respecter of persons. That prejudice, that narrow-mindedness in his own mind was confronted by the Holy Spirit. And once he was able to lay that aside and recognize God doesn't think this way. God doesn't deal with people this way. Now God was able to use him in a greater way. You know, think about Jesus. Jesus turned prejudice on his head when he went and ministered to the Samaritan woman at the well. Pastor shared that with us last week. Jesus turned prejudice on its head when he delivered the Canaanite's woman's daughter from a demon. She was a Gentile woman. What about the Roman centurion? He wasn't just a Gentile, but he was a Roman army official occupying the land of Israel. And Jesus reached out to him and healed his servant. Jesus even intentionally crossed over the Galilee Sea to visit a man who was possessed with demons, the maniac of Gadara. He wasn't Jewish. He was Gentile. Jesus broke all the boundaries. Can you see that? That's so powerful. And so we see once that boundary is broken in Peter's life, the church has a major breakthrough. It's not just a Jewish church anymore. It's now a Jew and Gentile church. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 10, verse 36. Now Peter is preaching. He says, this is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now what's cool is he preached there, something happened. The Holy Spirit fell. And what happened? Next verse. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Not only was Peter's paradigm broken, but all of Peter's friends, their paradigm, they had a revelation. They said, wait a minute. We've been thinking the wrong way. The Spirit of God broke their paradigm, and now God could use Peter in a greater, uh, greater influence. Hallelujah. When we look at these three uh, individuals in the book of Acts, they're regular people, believe it or not, just like you and I. They didn't have special abilities. They didn't have special education. They didn't have you know, unique talents and abilities that enabled them to do this. They had the Holy Spirit. They had a river. They had a flow. Everybody say flow. They had a flow in their life. The Holy Spirit working in them and through them to bring the life-changing gospel into those that were seekers. They got born again. To a new believer like Saul who just got born again, now he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in Peter's case, 
into a whole new realm, cross-cultural ministry, you could say. The Gentiles. They got born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. And all those with those old paradigms are going, wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Are you available for the Holy Spirit to do what He did in their lives, to do in your life? Say, I'm available. Remember our key takeaway here. The Holy Spirit wants to use you to spread good news. Why don't we take an advantage of the opportunity given the season? Next week is Easter just be extra intentional. Do some extra praying. Do some, do some extra getting with God and say, God, is there someone around me? Is there someone in my world that you're dealing with? Is there someone in my world that's hungry right now, that's desperate right now, that's seeking you? Holy Spirit, I make myself available to you. You know, just that simple prayer will take you into a current. It's called the compassion of Jesus. When Jesus saw the multitude, he was what? Moved with compassion. The Holy Spirit. Question, will you allow the Holy Spirit to take you deeper? Or are you comfortable with just ankle deep? Or maybe knee deep? I want to encourage you to go further. Go to the place where you can't stand. Where you have to allow the Holy Spirit to take you where he wants to take you. I guarantee you, it'll be an adventure in your life. It'll bring joy in your life. It'll bring excitement into your life. Come on, somebody. Are you willing to swim? To go with the current? That current will take you to people who are in need of God's touch. The doorway for you being a powerful witness and a vessel for God to use, whether it's seeing people born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, healed in their bodies, healed in their relationships, is to be a person like Philip full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Like Ananias, are you willing to face your fears? You know, one of the biggest and com most common fears is the fear of man, the opinion of others. Well, what will they think? If you get filled with the Holy Spirit and get intimate with, with Him and go deeper with Him, He will remove fear out of your life. He'll give you boldness. Isn't that what we see in the book of Acts? When they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke the word of God with boldness. We need boldness. Can you admit that? Like Peter, do you have a prejudice? Are you limited in what God can do in the lives of other people? Do you write people off? Don't do that. Let the Holy Spirit... Break your own prejudices or your own narrow-mindedness. Come on, if you be honest, we all have something in that arena. Whether it's fear or narrow-mindedness, we, we need to get out of our heads and get into our hearts and follow the flow of the Holy Spirit. Remember what Jesus said, out of your innermost being, not your head, but your heart, will flow rivers. Those rivers of love and compassion for people. And there's no greater joy. There's no greater satisfaction and contentment than when you put yourself in a place. Holy Spirit, use me. Holy Spirit, speak through me. Holy Spirit, work through my life. Make me a blessing. 
I'm looking at a bunch of people here today. You are a blessing on its way to fulfillment in someone else's life. Why can I say that with confidence? Because the Holy Spirit is in you. You're part of a spirit-filled church. There's a river that flows through this church. Amen. There's a river of prayer. There's a river of anointing. There's a river of healing. And just by you associating it, guess what? You're right at the edge of the pool. At some point in time, you're going to go from ankle deep to knee deep to waist deep. You're going to slip in. Some of you are just going to jump in. You know, you have those people by the poolside. They just, it takes like 30 minutes to get into the pool. Then you have those people that just run up. Which one are you? Doesn't matter. As long as eventually you get into the pool and let that current, get into the river and let the current take you to places you would never go yourself. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for this message. Thank you, Father, for the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Lord, we just declare, Holy Spirit, have your way. Just say that over yourself. Whisper it to yourself. Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are so good. You're a gentleman. You don't drive us. You don't push us. You lead us. You fill us. You bring us into places that we could never go ourselves. Holy Spirit, bring us on an adventure with you. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I'd like to extend an invitation to those of you that are watching us online today. Or maybe you're here in the sanctuary with us today. Jesus paid the price for your sins, for my sins. He loves you. He cares for you. He laid his life down for you. And he wants to have a personal, intimate friendship with you. How does that begin? You need to acknowledge you're in need of a Savior. Sin in our life. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We've had, we've had a sin nature. Only Jesus can change that by entering into your heart. All you have to do is believe. Like the, like the Ethiopian did. He believed that Jesus was the Son of God. He got born again. That's where it starts today. I'll lead you in a simple prayer. If you're here uh, in the sanctuary today or if you're watching online, would you pray this prayer with me? Just say it. And everyone here in the sanctuary, you can say this prayer after me. God in heaven, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I turn my life over to you. Be Lord of my life. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.